Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. You've reached the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. This is Matt. And Liz. Today we talk about the fantasy playoffs. Those have started, but the NFL playoff race is far from over. So we talk about some jokers like the Browns, the Panthers, and the Jaguars that are affecting your fantasy playoffs. We also lament the broken Patriots offense and the two-faced Houston Texans. Two-faced. And we run through a bunch of big injuries to take note of from all of the Week 14 action. Bring your tears, bring your dreams, and your hopes, and listen away. Bye. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. Usually, when you hear me introing the podcast, it means that I am without Liz Loza, but that's not the case. We flipped the script here. I've got Liz right next to me. Liz, yes. what's up? Uh, it seems um, it seems there's something wrong with your voice. Something I don't want to say wrong. That sounds judgy. It seems your voice is a little less different. than 100%. Would you say that my voice is a little bit different? A little different, yeah. <clears throat> What's yeah, I've up? been working all day. Um, You know what? It's week 14. If you have a championship fantasy team, you're on a bye. So I'm just going to say what happens on a bye stays on a bye. Oh, all right. How uh, how mysterious. I like that you've leaned into this. This is very good. Good content. Also joining <laughs> us, obviously, are Brett, Ragu, our wonderful producers. Brett, uh, do you have any fantasy playoff teams alive? No, sir. All right. Well. Uh, not in uh, the fantasy, the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast Listener League, nor my my other uh, keeper league. I'm I'm solid, like tenth or eleventh place in both. Well, that's gorgeous. Way to re- way to rep us, buddy. Uh, I am in the playoffs of our fantasy football podcast listener league, uh, hoping for a big Tyler Higby game tonight, so that I don't have to um, drink myself to sleep tonight for not playing Jared Cook. But anyways. We forge on with the podcast with me in the driver's seat. Liz, let's talk about tomorrow's headlines today, which, of course, I think a crucial point here. <laughs> this is just like a mad soliloquy. I think a crucial point here. <clears throat> Tell us about the crucial points. I think a crucial By point. By the way, I just dis- turned into March Simpson sisters. Like, what happened? I think I went from, like, Kathleen Turner to, like, tell us about the crucial points. A little, I've I've had to get uh, you know a lot of curveballs here with the voice today. It's it's been a, it's been quite a journey, a fun one though. Uh, all day working course, with you, yes. always. Now, I think we should talk about teams that are eliminated or close to eliminated from actual NFL playoff uh, contention, because I think there's two way teams can go in these scenarios. They can either be totally packing it in, or they can start to be a little frisky. And I saw, I think we saw a little bit of both from a lot of different teams today. But I want to talk about the teams that 
today it looked like they were kind of packing it in. Uh, these teams that are on the fringes, they're not going anywhere most likely. Uh, but the three I have down here are the Browns, the Panthers, and the Jags. Now, a little bit varying results here. The Browns, obviously, are the interesting one uh, because they won. However, still kind of like a total nightmare performance all the way around for this team. I, I'm so ready for the 2019 Browns to, like, get the hell out of our lives. Liz, what do we do with this team going forward? Well, I think what's interesting about this team is that we know and have seen what works for them. And that's obviously running the ball, mm -hmm. right? And making things, you've made this point, I've, I've thought quite well, making things simple for Baker Mayfield. And when you're facing a team like the Bengals, it would seem that using Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt should be a foregone conclusion. Yet, I think there is still some reluctance to packing it in or maybe some desire via the ego or the id to salvage this season for the tabloid's sake. And so you've got these reports about OBJ um, telling his agents to come invite suitors and maybe he's oh. been injured and you hear Baker Mayfield apologizing for not wanting to throw the medical staff under the bus. And there's obviously a lot going on and a lack of discipline has been since week one the issue. This is nothing new, right? But I do think there's like a bit of a hero complex going on here. Like maybe if they don't just win out, but they win in splashy ways, they will salvage the narrative. And mm. that I think is problematic. For real life football, for fantasy football, though, I think it continues to keep your bigger play guys like OBJ, who I, if this is true, that his agent is shopping, is going to take as many showcase moments as possible. So I think it keeps him and Landry in play. Also, Njoku's coming back. He's got the Cardinals next week. He did not do particularly well this week, but he shook off some rust and the matchup against the Cardinals, especially if you were a Jared Cook owner and he is in concussion protocol, is quite nice heading into week 15. Yeah, I think the Beckham part is worrisome to me because you come off of this game where he had a good matchup um, and still did essentially nothing under 50 yards receiving for like, what, the 100th straight game so far this season. Um, it just hasn't been there. Jarvis Landry had a modest game today. Uh, he's actually been kind of cooking over the last sure. couple of months. Um, I think Baker Mayfield suffering a hand injury last week. Uh, you know, it kind of would have been nice to see him take a week off. Like, you know, your season's over at this That's point. That's what I mean. The ego is yeah. going to continue to drive this bus. And I just think, too, like, it has overall seemed like that the team consistently tries to be flashier than it needs to be. I think that's a really good point by you because it, even in this game, it seemed like they were never really running the ball enough. They open uh, up in the second half with a six-play, 75-yard drive fueled by a big play from Nick Chubb. But he has just, I think, 15 carries in this game. And overall, just... It's just not it's just not enough. It doesn't seem like they have any identity. And and it's just it's again I think again it's gonna be really problematic having to deal consistently deal with this team and like start sit decisions and all that when they're just you I don't only think have two they more weeks themselves. though. You've yeah. got Arizona and you're starting all those guys against Arizona. And then are you've you got Baltimore like, and you're not. Like yeah, but are you starting like the Beckham thing I think is is hard because I've been willing to say all year, like Go with Beckham. Go with Beckham. Like, don't. But don't if you're lose in the faith. playoffs, you have man, and you're a Beckham owner. You have managed it well, and you're not going to not flex him at Arizona. 
You are, however, maybe going to sit him in week 16 against the Baltimore secondary. I'm so I'm as a as a Beckham uh, apologist. Well, apologist. And he's on my team that's in the damn fantasy playoffs that might survive this week. I'm thinking I'm sitting here thinking about it right now. And like, I'm going to be weighing him against some other people. And I, I don't think it's out of the question if he if he's if he really is hurt. And I think that if he is hurt, that helps explain why he's been so seemingly unexplosive for most of this season. I know it's a convenient excuse, but it also it also does make sense to me that Baker comes out and like, oh, well, it doesn't make sense for him to do this. But, you know, he rails the medical staff or whatever. Yeah. I think it's it just kind of lends more credibility to the fact that like, hey, maybe he really is hurt. Uh, but we will see. Uh, th- those... The only thing I just want to say, the only thing about the injury issue that seems precarious to me, not just the timing, but the fact that on the same day those reports are being leaked. Yeah. The other reports, uh, I think via Bleacher Report, that um, that his agents were accepting offers that he didn't want to stay in Cleveland. Like, there may not be all the truth to it, but there's definitely a kernel. And it seems weird that both of those things would come out at the same time. It definitely seems weird. Something about him all year has seemed weird in Cleveland, which is sad because it's not quite at all what we expected. Now, there's two other teams I mentioned on the packing it in uh, spectrum. Oh, yeah. The Panthers and the Jags. Like, yeah, boys. Let's Listen, be, let's, yeah, boys. Let's, let's be clear. Feels good to be you in this podcast, yeah, boys. Let's you, do them all. You, you, you're the like Jags fan coming into coming out of like September. You were, we're all, talking about the Jags. We're talking I about said Carolina, Panthers, Panthers, and Jags. Right, two but teams, right now we're on teams, Carolina. Two teams at once. Don't make we're me going. lose my. I tell you what, <laughs> we're talking about the Panthers right now. We'll get to the Jags in a minute. The Panthers, though, it's like nothing changes after the Rivera exit which i guess isn't surprising but we were watching the game together and watched daryl williams literally look behind him as his quarterback was getting sacked and that ferocious falcons d just woo, let him up um i actually kind of want to find the tweet right now but it's it's like same old same old same old for the carolina panthers like their quarterback is bad um their running game is all they have their defense is a, a total and utter train wreck but for fantasy do we mind that do we mind that like listen Christian McCaffrey, there was talk at, during FFL this morning about whether or not he'd bounce back. Like, are we going to be subjected to his recency bias, especially during weeks in which the fantasy stakes are so high? He didn't find the end zone, but sure, he's clearing over 100 yards total. I will take that. I'm not going to not, you know, yeah. that, that's fantastic. 12 targets, 11 catches. Sure. Your boy Ian Thomas, who was playing in the stead of uh, Greg Olson, showed out while he found the end zone. Yeah. Listen, five for 57 is tight end one material anyway. Mm-hmm. Finding the end zone makes him like a top five play. Yeah, it's like totally juicy. Uh, the stat that I wanted to find here uh, was from Bill Voth, who works uh, in the Panthers media department. Falcons interceptions this season, six versus Carolina, four versus everyone else. <laughs> Falcon sacks this season, nine versus Carolina, 13 versus everyone else. So uh, the Panthers have been a lot of teams get right games so far. Um, and it's worth noting, too, if you're expecting to see any of Will Greer, uh, interim head coach Perry Fuel said after the game that he's not going to make a quarterback change because, quote, Kyle Allen gives him the best chance to win, which just further proves how unready Will Greer is. Yeah, and it just I, to me, further shows, man, if the Panthers really do trade Cam Newton, as Ian Rapport reported, that if they get a massive haul, like that better be massive because they are headed straight to no, like no, no plan at all if they have if they trade Cam Newton this offseason. Let's focus back on the last two weeks of the season versus Minnesota in Week 15, and then at home versus Oakland. Now. Curtis Samuel is someone that has triggered you because people are like, oh, why isn't he putting up these these gaudy numbers that you promised? And you have barked back 
and you know, I, I understand why saying that, well, his quarterback sucks. Like if his quarterback can't effectively get him the ball, he can't be the big play threat that we Especially need him down to the be. Field. Yeah, right? exactly. Um, but in matchups against both those secondaries that are beatable, are you still leaning towards his upside as a flex when DJ Moore, I think, is going to be more of a low-end wide receiver too, again, versus Minnesota and Oakland? See, I mean, Moore is being able to produce regardless. Like he's been 81 yards today. Yeah, he's been pretty unbelievable, at least from a floor perspective. And he showed a little bit of ceiling love in a few games too because he, the way he runs routes, where he runs routes, and faces a bunch of zone coverage because of the routes that he does run – that's work. That's works favorably for what Kyle Allen does. Now you're you're just it's the same old thing. Like I think that actually you make a decent point, which like if Kyle Allen remains under center, it just doesn't really change the equation here. That's which, right. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that you're approaching these two the way that you always have been, um, even if the team looks like it's packing it in. I think you're just more incentivized than ever. I think to continue to throw out offensive players against. Carolina like it didn't work because Calvin Ridley got hurt today I mean he, he was all right before he left but he got hurt Julio Jones obviously was a little absent but some dude that I've never heard of scored a 90 plus yard touchdown on Carolina uh cornerback Dante Jackson is throwing uh, the coaching staff under the bus afterwards it's a mess um we can now go to the Jags if you'd like now I just think with the Jaguars like any hope that Minshew was like going to come back and going to like revitalize this team or bring some life back into it, which I didn't think was totally out of the realm of possibility, no. I think is probably dead in the water because I think the rest of the team like has already booked and travel plans for the offseason. That's the way they played today against a, a very not so good L.A. Chargers team. I think this is a lot to do with Coughlin. Yeah. And I think it has a lot to do. It stems a lot comes from the Jalen Ramsey trade because yeah. clearly the players were pro Ramsey. Yeah. And this was a debate who was going to win Coughlin or Ramsey. And the players, I think, will mostly side with the players instead of the yeah. owners. And now there is a lack of wanting to. There's reports, obviously, that came out two weeks ago that Doug Marone was on the hot seat. Right. And yep. I don't think these players necessarily want to play for this squad and they know they're out of it. I am surprised, though, that Gardner Minshew can't rally the troops in a more effective way. And over the next two weeks, again, at Oakland, at Atlanta, these are good matchups. So while I may not be starting Gardner Minshew because he's proven to be inconsistent and maybe the rest of these ancillary pieces are just too far gone that he can't lift it by himself, I'm still starting Leonard Fournette. And I don't care about his YPC. Don't at me. It's a volume question. And I'm still starting DJ Chark, who had 9 of 10 for 75 today. Everybody else, like, you know, you said it heading into FFL. D.D. Westbrook, I'm not doing it. Chris Conley, like, I'm sorry. I tried it out. We didn't work. It's fine. You know, his hands aren't that great. We learned a lesson. But I think you're going to proceed. And you're feeling pretty good about DJ Chark, even if you're not feeling good about the rest of this ecosystem, because he's proven to be such a bright spot and because the matchups are so solid. Yeah, it did get banged up for a bit in this game. So keep your eye on that. Make sure he, make sure he's not uh, long term hurt. Um, but yeah, he, I agree completely with your analysis there on those teams. Now, let's flip it. Be a little positive here. The teams that were frisky to me today despite being out of playoff contention, the Broncos, the Falcons, the Colts, and the Bucks. Uh, let's start with Brett's Broncos, where Drew Locke, Liz, Drew Locke recorded a total QBR. This comes from Seth Walder at ESPN. Recorded a QBR of 98.7 today. That is the highest QBR game this season by a quarterback not named Lamar Jackson. Solid. Like, 
I, was, I mean, what do you want me to say? He was only sacked once. He turned the ball over just once, and he's doing it with this awful offensive line and with a rookie tight end who spooks the minute a, a, a defender comes within, like, a yard of him. Cortland Sutton's a monster, but also, like, Philip Lindsay has continued. I don't care about him being small and living in his mom's damn basement. Like, this is a rag hey, He moved tag. out, all right? He moved out, Fine, folks. Fair. He's finally moved out. This is a ragtag group who nobody believed in, and I'm here for it. The scariest part about it, though, is that John Elway might be able to say, I told you so, and then football Twitter is going to explode. <laughs> you know, you're not wrong about that, but I think he, I think he's got one here. He like, sure with- does! <laughs> Don't like, make me lose my voice again. <laughs> look, I, I mean, I'm glad. You, look, I'm glad you're excited because it's good. Because oh, it's so fun to watch a quarterback give a. He is aggressive. He cares. Yes, he is going to write checks that his body can't catch or his arm can't catch or really. Cash, his, yeah. I mean, I don't even think it's his arm. It's his processing speed. Yeah, because he's I, got a great arm. He has a great arm. It's his. It, the issue is that he never pulls back. He always, what was the knock against him was he's always playing hero. Mm-hmm. You know what? Those Broncos, they need a hero. Roll up the 80s soundtrack. They need a hero. It was unbelievable. Drew Locke. And look, you got what else you got to say? I just think that he's (laughs) he's been a great point that like there's a lot of talent on this Broncos offense just in terms of like fan, I think, can play even we we talk about when he's today. It's worth noting one of his big catches after the catch, after the catch, but the, the initial point of the catch, there was a guy pretty close to him so and he did not like do that he, little yeah, that did, little like prancer step. little tutter yeah little, little reindeer hooves piss ant steps uh oh, I, did not say piss ant. I said what i said i said reindeers uh anyways thematic so that was good to see from them uh, i have a question for you yo go for it who is the starter in 2020 drew lock or Derek carr of their current teams both yeah you think so i think both um this is great for Drew Locke because, uh, I mean, it's great for the Broncos because then they don't have to go and, like, draft Justin Herbert in the first round of this year's draft. It's or great whatever. for the senior bowl because, my God, what a, what a funnel of talent. <laughs> well, just don't ask Dave Gettleman about Daniel Jones. Um, let's talk about the Falcons, who we mentioned earlier. Um, the Falcons are getting healthy, which is uh, – well, sure. I said they, they were getting healthy coming into this game. Then Calvin Ridley gets hurt. Uh, it's a The one person that was not hurt. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right. Uh, but it looks like they're still – you could say it looks like they're still playing. I think that they have plenty of incentive, like to show something to the next coaching staff. But you could also say, hey, they were they were playing the Carolina Panthers today, and and uh, they're just real bad. I don't know if I've said this before, and I believe it was Charles Robinson or Therese Paler who had the theory that after the trade deadline, this defense started to play because they were no longer worried about getting traded. And so the anxiety was off of their game and they started to play up. Now, they haven't been as consistent as they were against New Orleans in that game out of the bye. But they did it today. I mean, (laughs) we were joking about that vaunted Falcons pass rush taking out Kyle Allen numerous times. Like, I wonder what they're playing up for, though. Yeah. I mean, the tough thing is, like, regardless of what like are they are they playing up to fight for Dan Quinn or are no. they showcasing for next year? I don't know. I think it's more of a showcase situation. Why? Um, I think they well to be fair I think the players probably like Dan Quinn, but I still think Dan Quinn is not coming back. It doesn't really matter because next week they they're get the at San Francisco. Yeah. Right. So they're traveling also um Richard Sherman, the vaunted cornerback in San Francisco pulled up lame in at the end of this game. Um, in week 14, 
It looked like a hamstring injury to me. I have not read a report because I've been too busy working, but I would keep an eye on that because obviously if he were to be out, it would be a nice upgrade for Julio Jones. Week 15, you don't want to mess around. No doubt. Uh, next team, want to talk about the Colts. We'll talk about the Colts and Bucks because they were in the same game, uh, went into a total shootout there. Uh, the Bucks inevitably come out on top, but the Colts, I thought this was an encouraging performance. Now, with the obvious caveat that it comes against the Tampa Bay secondary, which we all know is a heaping pile of garbage. Uh, Jacoby Brissett had his best game in quite some time. Now, you know, wasn't super efficient, 53% completion rate, but two touchdowns, zero interceptions, 93 passer rating. It, it was better, like I said, than what we've seen recently. Uh, Marlon Mack coming back was all right, 2.9 yards per carry, but he did find the end zone if you start him in fantasy. But I thought it was cool to see some of these ancillary passing pieces pop up for decent works, decent games like Zach Pascal. We got that one right. Yeah. We got that one right. Uh, Jack Doyle, six targets, but didn't really do much um, in terms of production. Only two catches. Um, Marcus Johnson. Mm -hmm. The Marcus Johnson went for over 100 and a tutty. Yep. The Marcus Johnson. (laughs) I think the difference between a team like the Colts, this is a little bit like out there and narrative-y, but like I think the difference between a, a team like the Colts and a team like the Panthers or the Browns or the Jaguars is that the Colts, I still believe in the culture that Frank Reich has built Absolutely. and everything that's going yeah. on with that team. I still they do, too. And they buy into yep. it. And like they're still always coming back from, you know, like not getting off to a head start with Andrew Luck retiring. You, you can't, that, that, It's great that they've been th- as impressive as they have been without it, but it still is something that you have to say, I think, every time you talk about the Indianapolis Colts, that they came in so different than what they expected. And they've shown really well despite that, whereas teams like, like the Panthers – that have no culture at this point because you can't as great as it is to have the owner come out and like be very transparent be like i don't want to do this behind ron Rivera's back you're still telling, telling players hey this is over. <laughs> like, right. we're, we're, we're on to 2020 it sounds like you're tapping into resiliency and yeah. that's the narrative which is interesting in this matchup that you've chosen that because it was in after the game that bruce arian said that the resiliency of this buck squad was growing on him and i was like oh is that is that what we're saying now like that's how quote optimistic we are is that by week 14 the resiliency that means they suck yeah they're not that means like hey i got i got three more weeks of shit left and Mm -hmm. then i don't know if i'm coming back again Uh, well i think he's coming back i think i i think but it's worth mentioning that mike evans got hurt in this one yeah and and to quote bruce arians again he said it's not he doesn't know the full extent of it but it's definitely not good we're going to talk injuries uh in a little bit uh james winston by the way had the most james winston stat line i think of all time (sighs) 456 passing yards, 10 yards per attempt, four passing touchdowns, three interceptions. Like, this is the live by the Winston, die by the Winston type of game. Uh, they come out of it, this one, with a win. But, you know, a I, point win. I think the Bucks are pretty much just going to be exactly um, exactly what we expect them to be the rest of the way. Obviously, with Evans being a, you know a bit of a, a precarious situation. Now, I think it, it like Chris Godwin still got his nine targets, seven for 91 Evans. Luckily, if you played him in fantasy, he had a 61 yard touchdown before he left, but OJ Howard and Brashad Perriman both popped up for pretty decent games. Oh, well, um, Cameron Brate found the end zone, but, but nah. OJ Howard did have four for 73, which is not disgusting from the tight end position. Uh, and Brashad Perryman, three for 70 and a touchdown. I don't think there's a universe where I'm brave enough to play Brashad Perryman. Maybe not in redraft, but knowing 
that the Bucks will travel to Detroit right. in week 15. And assuming that Prashad Perryman is going to be about, oh, $14 in Yahoo DFS. I think that might be generous. <laughs> I mean, we'll maybe see. 12 to 13. If Mike Evans is hurt, I don't hate it. It could. It's not the worst ceiling play that will probably be on the board. No. Nope. Um, also, Ronald Jones, you guys stop. 11-11 yeah, no, 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 no. for Barb. For Peyton Barber and eleven for Ronald Jones, it is a split. We're not doing this. I'm dead, not answering any more questions. About dead, it. dead even on yardage, almost thirty six to thirty four in favor of your boy Ronald Jones. Um, let's talk about the New England Patriots dynasty. Brett is willing to RIP this thing. Um, <laughs> I kind of want to go a little bit back and forth on this game because number one, I I could rant about dumb analysis about the Patriots, but. Um, I think we can I think we can spare that. Uh, I do want to talk about the Chiefs side a little bit because Patrick Mahomes, like it feels like he's been banged up forever. Yep. Um, he's banged up. He's getting a ha- an X-ray Hold done him. on his hand. So I'm holding his hand during the game. Yep. That was consistent. They're just a tick off on offense. And like, frankly, if the Patriots had any juice on offense at all. I think they could have they could have come back and won this game because the Chiefs kept handing them opportunities to do so. I mean, you could say, I, I appreciate that you, I think you're right, that the Patriots offense couldn't fight back. But if the Chiefs offense is a tick off, then where is this vaunted Patriots defense? Oh, I mean, I think it's just, it's 2019 and offense beats defense, you know, nine times out of 10. One sack for Patrick Mahomes, one yeah. turnover. I mean, I, I they only held, they held him to one passing score, but. I mean, you're li- you're you're living on the thinnest of margins for error when you're consistently asking your defense to, you know, to create turnovers, to score touchdowns, and for that to be the how you win the game. I mean, it was it was very telling to me when Bill Belichick didn't send anyone back to return the punt and instead sent everyone to block a punt in the fourth quarter of this football game because that's just the ultimate, like, I think we can make plays on special teams. I do not think we can drive the field mm-hmm. on offense. And he's right. They can't really drive the field on offense because they suck. And it's okay like to say that. It's okay to say that the Patriots' offense sucks. And that they're not the same Patriots that we know. They're not the same dominant team at all. It doesn't mean that they're done. It doesn't mean that the dynasty is over. It doesn't mean that they can't get hot and eventually win the Super Bowl this year because those are all things that are possible. But this offense sucks right now, and it's a huge problem in the AFC. It's going to take some retooling. Let's reframe this for fantasy purposes a little bit. I want to talk about the Kansas City backfield. LaShawn McCoy. So we had both of the D. Williamses out this week. Uh, there was a, a moment of hope for Matt Matt Harmon. I almost said Matt Thompson. For co-creator of the uh, of Archer, by the way. Shout out to Matt Thompson. Um there was a moment of hope for Matt Harmon that Darwin Thompson, his face-melting boy, <laughs> would would do a little something. That wasn't the case. So LaShawn McCoy had 11 carries. That's probably what you're going to get from LaShawn McCoy, about 9 to yeah. 12, 9 to 11. and then 9 he, to 11 meaningless carries. He did have three targets, but he only caught one ball. Spencer Ware was brought back mm-hmm. to Kansas City here, and there's obviously a nice narrative that sets up that there's familiarity and all of that works. And Darwin Thompson is a smaller sized back, right? So what can he do? You know, we are going to head into next week with questions about this backfield. It's a little easier to answer if the D. Williams is continued to be hurt. Who are, if you had to land on one, 
which of these and you don't get to say like i'm not playing any of them like if you had to choose one running back in kansas city's backfield who would you put your chips on i still think it's thompson because i think his ceiling is the, is the greatest i don't think i mean Ware comes back and has five carries he catches one pass for negative yardage yeah I, I, I'm going to bet on Thompson just because I think he's shown a decent bit of explosion. Um, and I think in better matchups that, that you would see that more. I just wish. I mean, he did have five targets today. Um, Denver is the opponent in week 15. I think I would probably still lean towards Shady. Yeah, that's his legs fair. have been just, kept fairly fresh. So there's uh, just like nothing to get excited about no, there. Nothing at all. Um, New England. Uh, I just want to mention that Nikhil Harry did score. Frankly, yeah. And it didn't count uh, because there were no more challenges left or available to New England. So, again, if that's someone that's been on your roster as a touchdown upside guy and you don't need to make any moves, I think I'd continue to leave him there because week after week he's going to get more reps. It was Jacoby Myers, the other rookie who officially, right? Or he got his call back too? Yeah. No, he oh, dropped they it. Both, oh, he dropped it. Oh, okay. Yeah, these guys are dust. Uh, Never mind. But they will be playing but I would in Cincinnati I, next week. I also would prefer to keep Harry ahead of Myers. I agree, because if anyone has a ceiling, I think it's Harry. And but if anyone is trying to be the Gronk replacement, it is not effective. But if that is the goal for any of these players, it is for Harry. God bless him. He's trying. Uh, the Texans do their thing, which is after two big wins, they uh, lose. They lose in embarrassing fashion. Um <sighs> I really want to root for these damn Texans, too. They you make it so hard. I kind of want to root for the Titans. Next week. Yeah, they Wait. play They play twice in the next three, three weeks. Three weeks, right. That That is the opportunity for the Texans, right? Like, that, the, the Titans could play spoiler here. Last week I was asked about it, and I was like, there's no way Houston's definitely going to beat Bron- the Broncos. Come on. And then they dropped this game, and so now, I don't know, the Titans are standing in their way. So here's the here's the problem, like, we just like so we had this conversation last week. Like, do the Titans matter? Probably not. Like in the right. in the story of the 2019 season, we will not like when we look back on it in 20 years, we might be like, hey, that was that year Ryan Tannehill did that stuff. Like, remember when he almost ha- averaged 10 yards per attempt and was outrageously efficient? Super cool. Um, but we probably will not talk about the Tennessee Titans as a team because they just most likely won't end up mattering. Now, Houston has the ceiling to matter. Like, they have beat the Chiefs this year. They have beat the Patriots this year. They got shellacked by the Ravens, sure, but, like, they've shown us. <laughs> but who doesn't do that? They have shown the ceiling to, like, matter within this within this story of the 2019 season. But overall, like, injuries keep hitting them. Will Fuller's out in this game. Not that that accounts for the just complete egg that they laid, but they're so flawed on defense that I have a tough time not seeing like when next week when we get Ryan Tannehill, like he'll be a stream once again. AJ Brown, I think, will be a start. Derrick Henry will be an RB1 candidate, even if he did get a little banged up this week. It sure didn't look like it mattered all that much at the end of the game. I think you're right. I think having Will, you talk about ceiling. I think having Will Fuller in the lineup is makes this whole team much more explosive and they are really missing him. I do think, though, I don't know. I don't know what's going to say. You're going to root for the Titans. I'm going to root for the Texans. But I think you're still starting. If Will Fuller is playing, you're starting him. Yep. In the same fashion you have. You're starting DeAndre Hopkins. You're starting Carlos Hyde, even if the Titans are pretty good against the run. Um, And you're definitely starting Derrick Henry banged up because, as we've said over the past few weeks, after after J.J. Watt um, was 
injured. Now, J.J. Watt could come back for the postseason. Is that correct? Yes. May, pro- almost certainly not 100%, but but he could come, come back, back for sure. Right. So that does make a difference. That's going to be a huge difference because since his injury, the run defense has fallen apart tremendously. Yeah. So, uh, we'll all right, let's go on. Let's uh, let's move on and hit just some a few injuries before we get out of here. We talked about Mike Evans and the hamstring. Uh, Bruce Aaron said he'll be shocked if he makes it back before next week. Um, we kind of said that we think Perryman and O.J. Howard would be a little bit sneaky. Um, also worth noting that Winston did have to miss some time in this game. You know, after a bunch of interceptions, it was like, oh, man, did Winston just get benched? No, he actually uh, had a little bit of a thumb injury himself, but he came back and uh, played reasonably well and won the game. Noah Fant, we also mentioned he had a foot injury. X-rays were negative. But look, we kind of hope that Noah Fant is out there next week because he's emerged as one of the few, like, maybe, I don't know if reliable is the right word, but certainly a tight end with a pretty good ceiling. Well, Hireman is the one who found the end zone. (laughs) Yeah, Fant found the end zone too, but the old Hireman, he popped back up. Hireman. I like to say Hireman. He plays the Chiefs next week uh, who do get uh, creamed by the tight end. Uh, It doesn't count. So if Fant is out, though. You need a cheap DFS stream. It's going to be 10 bucks. Yeah, he's going to be the Ian Thomas. Right. I like it. All right, fine. Hewerman's back in our lives, baby. Only uh, a fan is out, but I think he's going to play. Speaking of tight end injuries, Jared Cook. Uh, oh, my God. I'm like tired. I, I benched him in my dynasty league, I'm, too. I'm so tired of talking about Jared Cook because uh, it's just it's just eating me inside. that he, he scored 20 points in two seconds, then gets a concussion. We'll see what happens with him, but... He, he was a, he's another guy that was emerging as like a reliable tight end to start. This this landscape just continues to get messy. I think that's fair. I think Darius Geis is another player we should probably talk about. Yeah, let's let's hit Darius Geis. MCL sprain. Yep. Um, it could get complicated because he's done some damage in that knee before. Knees. Obviously, Washington next week they have the Eagles, which are obviously so they're going to shut him down, right? Like, can we just not? I don't really want to feel any questions about like, is he going to play? Like, why wouldn't you shut a player who's had chronic knee injury since he entered the NFL and sprained his MCL down for the last three weeks of the season? You would think so too, because like, if you really look looked hard, you know, and you and you were really an optimistic human being, you could say like last week against the Panthers in that surprise win, Darius Geis looked great. Dwayne Haskins had a couple of throws and he has a few throws every week where it's like, oh man, he to Terry McLaurin this yeah. week. And he yeah, one to Terry McLaurin this week. Well, we know McLaurin is good, but like and hey, even um Calvin Harmon he didn't. He had one catch today, but has started to play a little bit more in the absence of Paul Richardson. I'm sorry, every time he's on the field, I fall asleep. Fair enough, but he's started to look like a decently reliable possession receiver. It's like, okay, there's some, there's a, a small young nucleus forming here, but I agree with you. It's like we've seen some optimism. We don't need to see any more. Also, next week Washington will be hosting the Eagles. Yeah, big time. And I am not going to mess with Adrian Peterson against the Eagles. I I mean, he had a nice spin move, found the end zone. That's great. If you used him in week 14 by chance, or maybe you threw a a dart at him in DFS, wonderful. I doubt anyone was really playing on him. He's 39% owned. I don't think I'm going to pick him up because at this point I'm only using pickups for week-to-week advancement and versus Philadelphia. No, thank you. Let me tell you I know who he gets in week 16. He's got the Giants. He's got the Giants. I just wanted to let you know that uh, you doubt anyone was playing him. You're looking at one person who played him this week okay. uh, in the Yahoo Fantasy Football Listener League because I was uh, desperate. Well, it worked out for you. It did work out. Uh, it was better than playing Josh Gordon because that's the type of situation we were looking at. Uh, I do think that Adrian Peterson's worth hanging on to because of that matchup in Week 16 against but, the Giants. But if you don't have him, do not spend 
Do not try to pick him up. This is not a situation where you're trying to pick someone up. No, I think if, if you don't need him I'd right now. I'd pick up DeAndre Washington over Adrian Peterson if Josh Jacobs is continuing to miss time. I agree with you. And let's talk about that situation. I think that could be the last thing we hit on before we get out of here unless you have um, a bundle of other points to make. I mean, we'll see what happens. <laughs> but uh, me. Josh Jacobs obviously misses this game against the Tennessee Titans. The Raiders, by the way. Uh, it was cute when we thought the Raiders like were a potential playoff team. Maybe they could make some noise in the AFC West. They've been getting cracked of late. We're embarrassed by the Titans today. But DeAndre Washington was kind of a bright spot. 14 carries for 53 yards and a touchdown. But I think the important thing, and you noticed, you noted this, I think, either during FFL or one of the halftime shows, that DeAndre Washington isn't like Josh Jacobs, where for whatever reason, Josh Jacobs is a total zero in the passing game. DeAndre Washington, six for 53 through the air. That is going to be crucial if the Raiders are going to continue to get smacked. I like his involvement in the passing game. He's owned in under 10% of leagues. Um, I'm sorry to report, Matt, that Tyler Higby has not found the end zone yet for you, but we will see what happens. And while we wait for that, I will let you know that we will also be back on Friday. Oh, wait, why don't you do the outro? We will be back on Friday with a freshly minted, uh, excellent work, lovely voice of Liz Loza. She'll be, I can already report. I'm confident. My sources are confident. She's going to be back at 100% for our Friday show. It's going to be beautiful. I'll be back as well. Who knows what type of shape I'm going to be in at that point. (laughs) God only knows, uh, my, the fate, my hand, my hand, I'm in your hands. Fate. Jeez. What a, what a blunder there. Brett. You'll be back. Ragu, we'll see about you. And uh, yeah, subscribe. Down. What, what, what do you normally you say follow on us this on show? Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. That's Matt Carmen underscore BYB. And we out.